It's so important to have a vision for what you want strategically your volunteer program to provide for the organization and why you have it to drive impact for the mission. Welcome back to What the Fundraising. I'm your host, Mallory Erickson, and this podcast is for impact leaders and change makers who are looking to fundamentally change the way they lead and fundraise. This episode is part of a very special series called The People Behind the Products. There is no sponsorship or industry money behind the production of this series, and the editorial content is at the sole discretion of the What the Fundraising team. But I wanted to give you a sense of the great people, ideas, and products that power the nonprofit sector. So let's dive in to meet today's guest. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to be here today with Gung Wong. Gung, welcome to What the Fundraising. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, let's just start with you sharing a little bit about you and your journey and what brings you to the work that you're doing today. And so I'm the CEO and co-founder at Civic Champs. We're a volunteer management platform. Our mission is to create the most intuitive and impactful volunteer management software for nonprofits and their champions. And so we launched about four years ago. We serve dozens and hundreds of different nonprofits across the country, and we're able to triple some of their impact, right, in terms of their volunteering and decrease the amount of clerical work that they do about 85%. And so that's sort of what we do. Yeah. Amazing. And so when folks come to you to look for more management around their volunteer programs, what are some of the like biggest pain points that they're dealing with? So I would say about half the folks that we run across are still on pen and paper. I use that term kind of broadly. So if you think about Excel or Google Sheets or Google Forms, so basically free tools, right? Maybe include something like Sign Up Genius. And so usually a lot of the pain point is around data entry. So if you have a paper sign-in sheet, you've got to track all those hours, you have paper waivers. You know, we serve a lot of habitats, so you can imagine they get blown around in the wind and rain, they get all soggy, you can't read it, right? And so th there's a lot of need around just like having better data that's clean and, and, and sort of easy to manage. And then I think the other piece that people are looking for is how do I improve or streamline my volunteer experience, make it easier for them to sign up, make it easier for them to submit things, track their hours, right? Just like a, a better consumer grade experience. We're spoiled with all the apps we use, you know, Uber, everything in our life with Amazon, right? You can click a button and something arrives the next day at your door magically, right? And so expectations is just really high. And so can you deliver something that is comparable? Maybe not quite as magical, right? But like something that gets a little bit closer. Yeah, amazing. And so do you find like that people who are coming for that level of technology support already have well-established volunteer programs? Or do people come to you when they're like, we want to set up a volunteer program and we want to do it right from the beginning. How do we do that? So usually it's folks that already have a program. I think it's hard to know the challenges without having done some of the work, right? It's, um, I can imagine even for myself, if I had a nonprofit and it's like, oh, I'm going to launch a volunteer program. It is true, actually. You know, I joke with the team that pen and paper is actually a pretty high bar in terms of ease of use and use in like intuitive interface. I could 
draw a line, you know, write name <laughs> and, <laughs> and it works, right? And so we actually need to create something just as simple as that experience for the nonprofit administrator, but captures like all of sort of the benefits of being digital. Okay. And what do you see as some exciting, like when their volunteer data becomes digital through a platform like this, what does that enable them to do as an organization that they couldn't do before? And I'm thinking both in terms of their volunteer program itself, but also just their communication. And I'm thinking about it from a donor data perspective too. So what are all the different ways that that really enables them? So obviously reporting, we all have annual reports, quarterly reports, and with the, you know, clicks of a button, you can say, Hey, I want it for, you know, I want to see my total hours, my total number of volunteers, et cetera, for the last quarter. Right. And you could say, Oh, here it is. Right. Super, super easy. I want to see my leaderboard, if you will. Right. So who are my top volunteers for a certain date range? But I think to your point on what makes it even more interesting, one of the things that we do is we collect feedback and also sentiment. And so did you actually have a good experience volunteering with us? You know, happy face, frowny face. And that allows you to reach back out to volunteers, either because they're super happy and you're like, oh, now these are my advocates. They've been inspired by what we do. They had a great time. Or if they had a bad experience, we all know that people that have poor experiences tend to share that experience pretty widely. And so not only retention of those volunteers, but also you're thinking about recruiting. And so you don't want to have a poor reputation in the community. And so it allows you to intervene in those moments where it's like, okay, let me nip this in the bud. So I think that's a big part of it. We also have the ability to do what we call micro donations. And so when someone is really happy, we allow you to ask for a small dollar donation from that volunteer, right? Sort of in that moment when they're still thinking about you, when they're still inspired. And because now we have integrations with like RENXT or we're rolling something out with Little Green Light. And also we had something with Salsa. The volunteer data also allows you from a donor side to say, oh, I can have this coffee shop one-on-one -on -one with this major gift donor, and I'm going to be confident that I know what kind of volunteering they've done in the past. So I don't come off as like unappreciative. Maybe they just volunteered yesterday, things like that. Yeah. Okay. I love that. And I love the micro donation, like at a peak moment. So right when they're already having those happy hormones released in their brain, they're being encouraged to get more deeply involved. And I really like, you know, it's interesting. I um, was giving some advice to someone recently about how to follow up after a webinar. And I was like, I go back through whenever I do a live webinar and I message all of the people who were really active in the webinar, just thanking them for amping everybody up and keeping the engagement high and really adding to the overall experience of everyone who came to that webinar. And so I think what you just said too, is really similar in terms of watching who was really active, who had a really positive experience, and then how can we use technology to make it easier for us to track those things and then add in that human element to really optimize that information. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you've actually inspired me on my next webinar. I'm going to do the same now. <laughs> <laughs> It's so fun. I mean, those little things, like they go so far, you know, it Absolutely. just goes so far. And so, you know, I know as somebody who ran volunteer programs for a long time, I know how overwhelming it can be. I know how many sheets of paper I had with missing information all over the place. And so I just love the idea of streamlining it. 
For you, what gets you really excited about the nonprofit landscape today, both in terms of Civic Champs, but also beyond? Like, what are you noticing right now in the sector that's really exciting that you're paying attention to? I think there's a couple things. One, I'll say sort of as a area of opportunity. <clears throat> I think with COVID-19, right, with the pandemic, a lot has changed. And if I think about the private sector, for example, you know, there is a, what they call the great resignation. And so people's expectations in terms of how they view life, how they value the time that they spend and how they spend it is different than it used to be. And probably in many ways in a much more healthy direction. I think the positive for that is that many people are probably inspired to do things that add more value to the community. They want to do something that has more impact. And so that I think is really great for nonprofits. On the other hand, the challenge, right, like I said earlier, is their expectations on experience is also different. And so not everyone wants to come back into the office to do filing again, like they used to do, right? They want to do something that has more impact as well. And so I think that's a real opportunity to sort of be more strategic about how you structure your volunteerism. I think more broadly, right, everyone talks about not just the nonprofits, but broadly, you know, generative AI, like ChatGPT, super exciting, right? I think you're going to see lots of really interesting ways that this technology gets applied, particularly from the donation side, right? As these tools get smarter and smarter and smarter, and you're able to train them on your specific data sets, now you can essentially create automatically what looks like very personalized and not robotic, but automated outreach to hundreds of folks, thousands of folks without really any effort on your end. And so I think that can be really powerful. And so the folks that are able to take advantage of that earlier, obviously are going to have a big leg up in terms of fundraising, in terms of retention of your volunteers, in that engagement of advocates. So I think that's going to be a real big trend. Yeah. Wow. I love hearing that. When you think about some of those things, any big like fears that you have or things that you're watching out for? Yeah. AI, I mean, I, I think is fundamentally a little scary in that, <laughs> <laughs> right? The ultimate version of that is a little daunting, right? Of what could happen. I think in the near term, right? You're, the concerns might be around privacy, around data sharing. And so I talked about if you have the ability to train these AI models on your data, right? But that also means sharing your data to a third party for the most part. And so that can be a little bit tricky to navigate. Certainly, do you have the right to do that? Or did you have permission? And similarly, right, obviously, if you're sharing the data, someone else has the data. And I'm sure there's lots of layers of protection and security and encryption, but we see even banks get hacked, right? Nothing is ever foolproof. Even if the technology is foolproof, social hacking is the way that most of this happens anyway, which is they get some employee to do something that they're not supposed to. And so I think that's probably the biggest concern I have. I think a second level would be just, hopefully it doesn't take away from the actual engagement and human component that nonprofits have with their supporters, right? And so if you rely on these tools a lot, what may happen, and that would be really sad, is you send something, it's really great, it's beautifully written, and they come in and they say, hey, thank you so much. And they talk about the thing that you supposedly sent them and you have no context and you don't know anything about it. And they then realize that it wasn't actually you. And now you turn this really great moment to maybe something that's a little bit negative. 
Ooh, interesting. So I'm curious, you know, it's interesting to me because I feel like in the volunteering in particular, it is such a human act, you know, and it's such a, as we think about all these things that can be less human and be automated or be done by AI, some of what the volunteers might be able to provide could ultimately be provided by AI. For example, if you had volunteers writing blogs for your website or creating content in certain ways. But the purpose of volunteering is not just the output for the nonprofit. That's an important and critical piece of it. But it's also the impact that it's having on the human, on the volunteer who's participating in that way. And so to me, your work demonstrates a space in certain ways where like AI can never replace it, can never replace this important piece. But what you said is really interesting, which is like, how do we responsibly incorporate elements of AI potentially that make our lives easier without pretending as if the AI is us in ways that break trust with the person who's looking for this very uniquely human experience. It's like when you call a helpline and you're just like desperate to talk to a person and you keep getting the like, push this number for this and thing. It's pushing like, zero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or saying like, talk to a representative. You know, it's like, how do we avoid that and prioritize like, When is technology the solution and when is the human touch the solution? And I'm curious, it feels like your software and your work really like integrates those things really appropriately. So I'm just curious how you think about that. You know, the reason we want to save time is so that you can have more of that human touch, right? Like there's no value in someone manually reading someone's chicken scratch and putting it into a spreadsheet. Like there's zero impact that's being generated through that action. And so if we can automate all of that, I think it's a net win because now you can reuse that time to engage and talk with a person and build those relationships that just can't happen. Now, I think some of the other things, right? Like I think where automation and maybe AI can play a role is, are there tasks that you just couldn't get to? Let's say you're a big organization, you have 5,000 volunteers, you would like to at least acknowledge their birthdays. Like, it's just like a nice thing to do. You're not going to super personalize it for the most part. And maybe you can edit for the folks that you really know. And, you know, you just want to say happy birthday to somebody. It's just like a nice email that you want to send them. And so something like that, you could certainly automate. And there's very little risk for that to go awry. Going back to a little bit of your point earlier, you know, one of the things that excites me a lot about what we do is you're right in that volunteering is also very local. Not only is it very human, but it's fundamentally something you do in your local community. Right? You don't, for the most part, you don't volunteer across the country. You donate across the country, perhaps. But it's a way to also bring communities together. It's, there's so much value in sort of rubbing shoulders with people that are different from yourself. And volunteering is one of the very few ways where this actually still happens, right? Political views are perhaps dropped temporarily or economic disparities, right? Aren't as obvious in terms of, you know, you you come together to do something great for the community. Yeah, I really love that. What have been some big wins you've seen organizations have when they've been able to streamline their volunteer management a little bit more? Like what have been either surprising stories that you've heard or just those stories that you've heard that you're like, yes, like this is why we do what we do. 
I'm trying to think, you know, like one of my favorites is, again, we serve a lot of Habitat for Humanities and one of Bowling Green happens to be pretty close to us, Bowling Green, Kentucky, and they had a build blitz, right? So they built 10 homes in 10 weeks, but they had a week where they were going to build all 10 homes from beginning to, to getting a roof on top and they'll sort of finish it throughout the rest of the 10 weeks. And so they use Civic Champs to support them during that process. And one of the things that we were able to help them with is something so simple, but I'm sure it was very nerve wracking in the moment, which is they had a rainstorm. It was thunderstorming on day one. They had 200 volunteers supposed to come at like 630 in the morning, right? And they needed to tell them that we're going to be delayed by two hours. And so right there, they could go on Civic Champs and send a note or a message out to everyone. And only two people showed up. And so it's hard to get a hundred percent. I'll take, I'll take 99. But I think some of the tools or technology we're able to do allows for us to save these like little tiny moments of potential pain points that might be happening throughout the day or throughout the experience. So that's sort of one example for us that comes to mind. Yeah, it does seem to me like there's so many last minute, or I remember like there's so many little last minute changes or things that come up and just having an easier way to get communication out or address some of those things is so tremendously huge. What do you wish all organizations understood a little bit better about volunteer management? Like when folks come to you and maybe they aren't ready to get on civic champs, but you're like, Ooh, like here's this big myth about managing your volunteer program that most nonprofits don't seem to understand. So we have a, we have a webinar this Thursday that's going to talk about sort of strategic volunteer engagement. We have a special guest that'll join us, Beth Steinhorn, right? What we're going to talk about there, I think is the difference between volunteer management and volunteer engagement and how it's so important to have a vision for what you want strategically your volunteer program to provide for the organization and why you have it to drive impact for the mission. Like what is the impact of volunteers to the mission of this organization? And I'm not sure if you were to ask, I'm not saying most EDs, but many EDs that question I would be curious to hear how many could articulate that in a way that's super compelling. And I think a lot of times what happens with volunteers and volunteer management is that it gets done as a checklist or a checkbox and says, yep, we have a volunteer program. I got a volunteer manager or a volunteer coordinator and they're executing and we have X number of volunteers. They're doing these activities and it's great. It does stuff for our organization, right? But it, it's not embedded within the organization in a way, right? Like you can use volunteers in lots of ways. Most often you see it sort of constrained in, in sort of a small circle as opposed to saying, hey, across all our departments, right, we could actually leverage and use volunteers in lots of different ways. And, and by the way, here's the value you all bring and why we need you. And then here's your specific impact on our mission, right? I think I wish more of that happened. That's really interesting. You know, one of the reasons why I think that happens a lot actually is because one, a lot of volunteer programs have been sort of grandfathered in. So like maybe the current executive director inherited this volunteer program that they keep going because they've always had it, but they haven't directly sort of connected it back. The other thing is, is that, I mean, what I see, which I think is problematic sometimes is the volunteer program gets created as a potential fundraising stream. And I'm not saying that volunteering 
cannot be beneficial for your fundraising, but when it's created solely under a fundraising mechanism, like creating volunteer opportunities for companies, because you think maybe one day then they'll become your corporate sponsor, then they aren't answering that question that you were really like laying the foundation around. And so I love that. And I hope for folks who are listening to this, like whether you have a volunteer program or you're thinking about starting one, you really start with that question, because I think that is so core to a lot of the challenges that folks face. Yeah, absolutely. That would be awesome. <laughs> is there any question I haven't asked you that you wish I had asked you or I should have asked you? You know, how, how do I get started with Civic Chance? No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely tell people where to go and I'll make sure all the links and everything are below or let's tell them where to go to learn more about Civic Champs and sort of how they know that they're ready for it. So Civic Champs, so it's spelled C-I-V-I-C, like civic, like you imagine, and champs.com is our website. So you can just come check us out. I think in terms of when you're ready, we serve a wide range of nonprofits, right? I think, you know, if you have 10 volunteers and, and you're sort of already up and running a little bit, right? Like that's a perfect time all the way up to, you know, we, you know, folks that have hundreds or thousands of volunteers, obviously those are lots of the organizations we serve. I think the other thing, you know, maybe not necessarily to walk back my last comment, you don't have to do everything all at once either, right? I think maybe that's the message I'd love to get out there, which is volunteer managers, volunteer coordinators have awesome hearts, right? They're in it for the right reasons. Making just small incremental changes is often all you need to do if you, especially if you start to stack those little changes over time and you'll come a long, long ways even after, you know, a few months or a year. And so, you know, I know I said, hey, you know, you need this vision and mission and make sure you know exactly why your volunteers are doing what they're doing, but you can just take baby steps on that too. And I think that's important to remember. Yeah, that's such good advice. And like we talk about with so many other tools, like it's so helpful to set it up correctly from the beginning. So even if you are at the beginning phases of developing out your volunteer program, it's really nice to have a tool like Civic Champs to be able to set it up and then you can edit things from there, but you have the information that's being stored and saved in a way that's really helpful. Absolutely. That's our goal. Well, thank you so much, Gung, for spending this time with me today and for telling us a little bit about Civic Champs and your work. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Okay, friends, I hope you enjoyed this special episode of The People Behind the Products. For additional takeaways and tips inside this episode, head on over to malloryerickson.com backslash podcast to grab the full show notes and resources now. You'll also find more information there about our amazing guest. Thank you for spending this time with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would give it a rating and review and share it with a friend. I'm so grateful for all of my listeners and the good hard work you're doing to make our world a better place. And if you miss me between episodes, stop by and say hello on Instagram under what the fundraising underscore. Have a great day and I'll see you tomorrow for another episode of the people behind the products. Hey. 
Hey you, I hope you're loving all the free value you're getting right now from our guest. And speaking of free value, I've raised millions in the nonprofit space without sacrificing my integrity or my alignment. And I'm sharing how I did it in my free webinar, how to harness the power of prioritization to raise more without burning out. Go to MalloryErickson.com backslash workshop to register for the free training right now. I cannot wait to see you there.